Welcome to episode five of Let's Talk Knicks. I'm here with Brandon. We did RJ Barrett last time. We're going to do the Tom Thibodeau conversation today. Um, it's going to be confusing, I'm sure. I'm going to argue against myself at points because even I have the most conflicted emotions about Tom Thibodeau. Um, by the way, we're recording this. Last night was game three of the NBA Finals. Nikola Jokic was awesome. Uh, Denver, you know, I think they'll probably win tomorrow and end up winning in five. I think game two will will look like the night that Miami managed to get one in that series. Um, but you know, we'll we'll kick it off with you, man. How how you doing? How do you feel about about Tibbs and the context of what we just saw? I mean, we're gonna split this up into kind of two conversations. One, like, are you a believer in Tibbs? And then two, which is the more important one, when this team does win a championship at some point when they get the star and when they win a championship as we all hope and pray is Tibbs the guy that's going to be on the sideline when they do it and so with that I'll uh, I'll kick it to you man for your first statement I mean relating the Tibbs uh, I think it circles back to some conversations that we've had in the past about certain players and, and the different aspects of this roster yes it's very common and I wouldn't say it's completely unwarranted when some people say, oh, we need to fire Tibbs, we need to move on from your head coach. The problem that arises from that, truly, is who are you replacing Thibodeau with? Especially with the type of roster, the type of structure that the Knicks have. And I'm sure the Knicks would be able to find a replacement either outside the organization or in-house. A popular name has been Johnny Bryant, who has been a mainstay on this coaching staff for a little bit. And I'm not saying that wouldn't be a good option, but Thibodeau has made the playoffs with this team two out of the past three years. He's gotten a lot out of guys on this roster that maybe you think wouldn't have produced as much as they have. But on the flip side, he hasn't played a lot of the young guys. The only time he has really, you know, shifted towards the Emmanuel Clickleys of the world, the Obi Toppins to an extent have been when his back's been against the wall and he's had no other choice. Otherwise, he's been more than content to just ride the veterans and continue to play these guys that, and I'm not saying that all fans know exactly what's going on, the locker room dynamics, how these guys look in practice, so on and so forth. But a lot of times, Nick fans, and I will say this fan base is very knowledgeable for the most part, sees a young player that could be producing better than a starter, and it takes Thibodeau the extra 10 games for him to fully give that guy the role. And then you look back, and it's, okay, what would have happened if this guy played earlier? So it's that dichotomy of, you know, yes, he's a good coach. Yes, he has gotten this team to places where, quite frankly, they haven't been in recent memory, but it's also the flip side of, and that's the later conversation. How far can he actually take this team? But if you fire him, who are you replacing him with? It's not a simple conversation. It's not a simple, we fire the coach and everything's fixed because quite frankly, in the NBA, that's not how it works. Yeah. I mean, I, I will state for the record that I'm pretty pro pro Tibbs. Um, You know, we have a decade-plus now track record. Tom Thibodeau is a good NBA coach. He was good in Chicago. 
the Minnesota thing didn't work out, but ultimately it was proven that that team, you know, wasn't on paper what people thought it was after they made the playoffs the one year and people were expecting a lot more. Okay. Andrew Wiggins didn't turn out to be that guy. Carl Anthony Towns has had his ups and downs and his inconsistencies. Like the Jimmy Butler chaos that happened in Minnesota when he called them all out and he was like, these guys aren't it. He ended up being right about that in, in retrospect. So I don't blame Tibbs for what happened in Minnesota. Then he comes to New York and this is part of Tom Thibodeau. It just is. He is stubborn and he has his guys and he's going to trust his guys at all times. The flip side of it is even when he starts to revert to going to like younger players, he's you can tell that he's not as comfortable with it. And I bring up the first mention of the Miami series for this context, because I think anybody that was watching the Miami series would have said that the Knicks re- like were desperate to throw another shooter out there. It was it was surprising to me that he didn't go back to Fournier at some point. And the inconsistency of game five when he plays Brunson and Grimes 48 minutes apiece, and then game six when he has a lineup at some point without Randall, Brunson, or Grimes even on the floor. All three of them were on the bench at one time. It, it, you know, he – He's the most stubborn coach. And then when it came down to it, he was inconsistent with how he played his lineups in the Miami series. Now I'm not going to blame him for being outcoached by Eric Spolstra. Everybody in the league gets outcoached by Eric Spolstra, but it's something to notice. Like, and even with the Fournier and Rose rotation minutes early in the season, where he basically let those guys play it out until late November before really starting to, you know, reconstruct the, the rotation. They went to the nine-man rotation. They eventually got Josh Hart, and we saw them take over from there. But I don't think that there's any doubt that Tom Thibodeau is a good NBA head coach. The Knicks won games this year without Julius Randle when he had the ankle problem. They won a big game in Boston without Jalen Brunson this year. They went 500 without Mitchell Robinson when Mitchell Robinson, you know, is not – one of their two best players, but he's one of their most important in terms of how they structure their team, especially on the defensive end where they need that rim protecting center. Cause that's what Tom Thibodeau does. That's how he constructs his team. And the first couple games without Mitchell Robinson, they blew the fourth quarter lead and ended up losing a blowout in Atlanta. And then they didn't look particularly good. They gave up 120 points to Minnesota, I think. And then they were able to kind of write the ship defensively, even without Mitchell Robinson for an extended period of time. So even like the managing injuries and stuff like Thibodeau is a very good NBA head coach. The question of whether or not he is going to be the Knicks coach when they win a title is a different story because what star, and we know this, this is something that stars say, what star is dying to play with Tom Thibodeau. And at the end of the day, if the star goes to the management and says, fire the coach, it happens every single time. You're always going to choose the player over the coach, especially for this franchise who's been looking for the player since Melo left. So I think, you know, I think once they do make the superstar trade, it will be on Tibbs to, to work that relationship and figure out a way to, to make it all work. And I don't think that that's incredibly likely, you know, if they have a bad playoff outing or something like that, the first move is always going to be to fire the coach. So I don't, and these guys get fired all the time. The turnover rate with NBA head coaches is incredible. If you look at who the most tenured guys in the league are, some like people that are in the top seven, top eight are like coaches for four years. Like Tibbs has 
has one of the longest tenures with the Knicks in the entire league right now. So these guys get turned over again and again, and it just goes to show you that Tibbs is good for what this team is right now. This team is still a whole is greater than the sum of its parts team. When you talk about Brunson and Randall being their two best players, they were, you know, two games away from the Eastern conference finals. Tibbs is a good, Tibbs is a great NBA basketball coach. I, you know, I just don't see it working when they get the superstar. That's then not going to, he and Tibbs are not going to concede to each other. That's not going to happen. I mean, to your point, right? You've seen guys like Mike Boonholzer, who less than, what, four years ago won a championship with Milwaukee, gone. You've seen Doc Rivers get fired when the Sixers have been a upper echelon team in the East for years. Coaches get fired because of the varying expectations. You know, you, you if you can't get over that hump, no matter if you're a consistent playoff team, you're still at risk of getting fired. And, you know, Thibodeau has been a head coach in the NBA since really 2010. He has had his tenure with the Bulls. He's had his tenure with the Timberwolves. He had his tenure with the Knicks. His worst season was his first year with Minnesota when he went 31 and 51. And then he was never really more than like five games under 500 the rest of his tenure. So that floor is always there. The floor is always there. You look at his tenure in Chicago. He never, I mean, he never had a losing season. Well, they won, they won like 61 games the first year. That was the year yeah. they got to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals. They lost to Miami. And then the second year is the year that Derrick Rose gets Rose. hurt in the, in the series against the Sixers in the first round. And so you have this kind of up and down thing with Tibbs, but even his tender ends. But, you know, by the time he leaves, that's Jimmy Butler's team and they lost to Cleveland. And it wasn't like he was as much as and as tragic for the franchise as the Derrick Rose injury was for the Bulls at that time. Tibbs, at least before he left, was able to somewhat right the ship. Now he had relationship problems with Butler that eventually resurfaced in Minnesota you know, and there were other things that eventually got Tibbs pushed out the door in Chicago, but he did like for the team in terms of making the playoffs and still winning games, he had them still in a decent position, despite the fact that there were players that were declining around them, Joe Kim, Taj Gibson, those guys were getting older and the Derrick Rose injury like zapped them of their guy. So it's like, to your point, they were always had that floor, but you look deeper the minutes he consistently played Derrick Rose close to 40, 42 minutes per game. We've seen that everywhere he's gone. He plays his guys more than really anyone else. He doesn't like consistently going to young guys or the bench. You saw that when he started to have the issues with Jimmy Butler towards the end of that tenure. And it goes to show you into the second point that we want to get into. Thibodeau, I feel like, for me, looking at everything that's considered, he is a guy that gets you the foundation built. He gets you the floor, the guys that are going to be the foundation of your team, the guys that are going to be the consistent producers, not necessarily the stars, but the consistent producers. And then you find your next head coach to take you over the top. That didn't necessarily happen in Minnesota. But the foundation was laid there. Despite the issues that he had there, the foundation, they they, they had a good roster. He Chicago, also, 
I think in Minnesota, he got undermined a little bit when the Jimmy Butler situation went haywire on him. I mean, if you look at that team, because year one, they're bad. Year two, they're in the playoffs. And in, going into year three, everybody was really excited about that Timberwolves team. You know, Carl Anthony Towns looked like he was going to be sensational. Wiggins, people still had really high hopes for as the number one pick in the draft. And, and Jimmy was there to kind of bring the whole thing together. And when the Jimmy thing went sideways. Everything had, went sideways. And he had the Everything. famous practice and the Rachel Nichols interview. And he gets out of there and he goes to Philly on what was like Minnesota got barely anything in return because everybody knew that they had to trade him. That whole Minnesota situation went sideways. And I'm not, I, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, if that is a, a negative on if that's a stain on Tom Thibodeau's career, because the whole situation with that franchise went sideways. But it goes to the point. He's the stabilizing presence. A lot of the time that gives you the foundation. But I don't think he's the guy that's going to take the next over the hump. I think the stubbornness that he shows. Well, it's not always bad. It's going to hurt them in key situations. It has hurt them in key situations. Not going to guys early enough, not going to guys or going to guys too late. We've seen this happen before. You know, playing insane minutes for the starters. Eventually, as with all sports, guys are going to break down. Guys are going to get hurt. We saw that with Julius Randle. Thank goodness we didn't see that too much with Jalen Brunson. But you can't consistently rely on your starters to play 45, 46 minutes every other game that's just that's not that's not conducive to long-term success that's not conducive and it's great in short spurts but when you're playing your star players your best guys 40 plus minutes 20 games or 25 games or 30 that's when you start to run into issues because wear and tear is a real thing over a long season and when it comes to that i just think the Knicks are going to have to find a, a new head coach at some point that is going to get them over the top. Thibodeau set the foundation, but I don't think he is the guy that's going to lead them to the championship because, quite frankly, we, we just haven't seen that from him in his past. So let me ask you this. Do you think that there is a specific star or superstar that would work better with Tibbs than others? Because I, I go through it and I'm like, all right, well, who's it going to be? Like, let's – Let's for hypothetically for hypothetical sake, let's say that the the star they eventually get is Embiid or Jalen Brown or or maybe two years from now it's Giannis as as you know as Wendy once tried to point us in in that direction. Do are any of those guys maybe Giannis? I, I actually think if it was ever somebody, it would be Giannis. Or do any of those guys really look at the Knicks and say, you know what's a huge plus about them? Tom Thibodeau's their coach. I. I don't know. Like, I don't, I, cause he's a very respected coach around the league, but he's, he's not very fun to play for. And he's not, you know, if you're getting a superstar of that ilk, they're not just going to be okay with you being against load management or playing them 42 minutes a game. Like you alluded to the, the, the question is, do you think that this Knicks team with Tibbs or any version of a similarly constructed Knicks team, but with a star with Tibbs, has potential to be any better than a great regular season basketball team. It depends on the star you're getting. And I think that's what it comes down to. What's the mentality of that star in, in the modern NBA, the majority of stars that you're most likely getting probably aren't going to want to play for Thibodeau. 
because the majority of the stars are that high scoring level type player, the high octane type scorer that isn't too keen on always playing that 40 plus mineral and it wants to have the supporting cast around that helps. Quite frankly, that's just how a good basketball team is is formulated. You need to have key supporting pieces around you that allow you to play that 35, 36, 37 minute range instead of pushing it to the 42, 43, 45 range. On top of that, you know, there's not many superstars like that. I mean, Giannis, I feel like would be an exception because Giannis, I feel like, is kind of one of those like flashback type superstars in the sense of he'll just play regardless. And he's more of a bruiser type instead of, you know, a, a score in the sense of what the modern NBA type scorer is. But it goes back to the point of, and, and I think this is key, how big is the gap between Thibodeau and another coach that would be hired more to cater to that star and to that team? How big is that gap? Because if that gap is too big, a superstar will realize that. I don't think the gap is too big because I feel like if you add that superstar to an existing Knicks team and you get a different head coach that maybe has a different scheme, a different type of style that is catering more to that player, just by the virtue of adding the superstar, you're probably on the same level as a Thibodeau-led team. But now with that star, you have the potential to go even further. So I think that's what it comes down to in the sense of Thibodeau could push a lot of guys away and a lot of guys probably wouldn't want to play for him due to the style of coaching that he has. And I truly think that adding a star plus a different head coach gives you a little bit more of an edge than than just a Thibodeau-led team where you're probably, like you said, not going much further than being a very good regular season team. I thought it was interesting what you said about a gap, because as we know, as, as we know, you know, watching the NBA, if you have all the talent, like if you have talent is so much more, it's what separates the conversation about basketball coach from any other sport is that talent ultimately is, you know, the be all and end all in basketball. We've seen Really bad. We've seen some, you know, okay-ish coaches win titles on teams that were super talented. Like it, it's happened. Uh, Frank Vogel, uh, you know, with that Lakers team a couple years ago. Not saying that he's a bad coach, but he's not like this, uh, you know, upper echelon elite Hall of Fame coach. The su- he- the superstar bridges the gap, right. and that and that's what it comes down to. Because Thibodeau with this roster, yes, the Knicks are a very good team, but a superstar with a different coach. You're better, you're the same level, if not a little better, because you're adding talent. And I don't think the coaching gap would de- be that wide. It's not like Thibodeau but is that's my winning point. you I'm games. Not even, right. That's my point. I'm not even really saying that I see the gap because NBA, because coaching in the NBA isn't really like that. It's more about like what style of coach are you? And when you have the talent, sometimes the X's and O's doesn't really matter as much as you know, understanding your players, cultivating that relationship with your players and getting your players to play their best when it, when it matters the most in basketball, there's a different way, you know, uh, Bill Belichick can win football games with a subpar roster because he's just smarter than everybody else. And he'll figure out a way to get you out of your comfort zone and stuff like that. He's very Spolstra like, 
But in basketball, if you have the more talented team, like like if you're watching the NBA Finals, whenever you know ESPN and ABC go to that mic'd up and you hear Mike Malone, what's he talking about? He's talking about effort. He's talking about drive. He's talking about that kind of thing because you he knows when you have the more talented team, you know you can trust your basketball players to make the right basketball play. What you have to do is make sure that you know the that you have to kind of maintain those relationships and, you know, coaching that level of talent is very different than coaching a team like this current Knicks team that has one guy that we think is definitely on his way to being a superstar in Jalen Brunson, another guy who, you know, some people think is terrible. Other people think is a legitimate star in Julius Randle and a lot of pieces that are kind of mix and match heart, you know, uh, Barrett and and a bunch of young guys. It's still a team. And I, I've said this a couple of times. To me, it is still a team where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. When that flips is when you have to start thinking about a coach who has a different touch in terms of how he, you know, relates to his players, in terms of how he plays them, in terms of, you know, the type of stuff that he does, in terms of his willingness to make in-game adjustments with Tibbs, you know, Tibbs has his way he's going to coach and he's going to coach that way from game one to game, you know, 90 when we get into the playoffs uh, after the regular season. It's what he does, you know, and you need a coach that's going to be able to make kind of those in-game adjustments like a like a Mike Malone. And so that's my concern when we talk about Tibbs and when this team eventually gets a star is that, as as I've been saying, he's a terrific coach, but is he going to change his temperament somewhat? And is he going to be able to coach in a different style based on the talent level that's going to be in the building? I think, and I think as we move to this part of the conversation, you know, when, when does that change happen? When does that change happen in the sense of the Knicks decide it's time to go a different direction? And what it comes down to for me is number one, it depends on what star they eventually end up getting. Cause Let's be honest, with the amount of capital the Knicks have, that is the eventual play. They eventually want to get another star to put alongside, at this point, Jalen Brunson. That I feel like that is a good assumption to make. What it comes down to for Thibodeau is the other options out there for coaching, whether it's internal, such as the Knicks feel good about Johnny Bryant being the head coach, maybe he connects with the players better than Thibodeau, the style he has is better or outside options are better, such as, and he's been hired at this point, but if the Knicks felt that good about a Monty Williams-type coach that shakes free, where maybe you don't expect them to shake free, and you like his style better than Thibodeau's, you go after that. Well, but it's going to cut. The specific well, candidates I don't think are, are really uh, the issue right now because this isn't going to happen tomorrow. No. And, and like eventually next year, there's going to be another playoffs and another team is going to is going to lose a tough series. And some superstar is going to get super pissed off and a bunch of coaches are going to be fired. <laughs> and the question the question is next year is Tibbs one of those coaches <laughs> that's going to get fired because the team lost a tough playoff series and somebody's super pissed off. It's definitely on the table. But so, but it's on the table for basically every for for almost any coach. Like you said earlier, you know, Bud won the title a couple of years ago, and he got out the door the second that they lost the tough series to Miami when his best player was injured. You know, Doc Rivers, who has a you know an atrocious playoff track record since two thousand eight. So I don't 
blame the 76ers in any way for moving on, but he was up 3-2 in that series, and his, and his second-best guy, James Harden, wanted no piece of the latter stages of Game 6 and, and Game 7. Like, th- that team was done before they even showed up in Boston for Game 7. So I don't necessarily blame him, but we're going to have a whole other cycle next year where we can, you know, if Tibbs is one of those coaches that gets fired, somebody got pissed off, we're going to have a whole other conversation about who can replace him. But today, I think it's just important to to understand, like, where he sits right now and with this offseason coming up that's so anticipated for the Knicks to get somebody if they decide to make a big move. Is he going to be the coach even come the trade deadline if they get off to a tough start? It's the message, and that's what it comes down to for me. When does that message get stale? When does the locker room start to turn on Thibodeau? Because that's your barometer. And that can happen a variety of different ways. That can come from a Randall, a Brunson, a majority of the team starting to call him out or or give slighted comments in press conferences that aren't direct, but start to give you insight on what's going on. Or maybe a tweet. Like, this stuff happens. We've seen it happen all over NBA. We've seen it happen all over sports. And that's and, and oh, that's go, what go it comes that's what it comes down to because in his last few places, specifically Minnesota, he wore it out as welcome. Jimmy Butler was not a fan of him, not a fan of the style that Thibodeau was having, wasn't a fan of how he was handling the roster. When that happens, when the players turn on the coach in a player driven league, it's over. There's no coming back from it. But that's why I ask you about it once they get a superstar, because I think until then, they're not going to do anything. Because all we hear about this current team is that they love Tibbs. You know, Tibbs backs all of his guys. You know, he backs Randall. He backs, you know, he pulls RJ out late in games and RJ's joking about it the next day. But that doesn't really matter. You know, Brunson loves him, which is the most important part of this thing, is that I don't see Jalen Brunson going to World Wide West and and Leon Rose, you know, and, and Tibbs, who are basically, you know, who are family to him. That was the whole point when they when they signed them was that this guy was one of their guys. I don't see Jalen Brunson going to the front office and asking for Tibbs to be replaced. That's why I think if Tibbs is ever going to be replaced, it's going to be because the Knicks got somebody that's better than Jalen Brunson, that they said, here are the keys to the franchise. And his request was, this guy is not the head coach. It depends. It depends if that sentiment stays, because we've seen sentiment like that change. Players love the coach, and all of a sudden next season, it's not. that's not the case. It all depends on how the message is portrayed, because we're going on year four of Tibbs as the next head coach. This will be year four coming up. Unfortunately, in sports, no matter how good, how bad a head coach can be throughout their tenure, their past, it, sports is a what have you done for me lately. If that message becomes stale and the Knicks get off to like a two and seven start and they're not looking good and the defense isn't working the way it's supposed to and the offense is struggling, those positive vibes can go completely out the window. It is very easy for that to happen. To make a parallel to another New York sport here, the New York Mets. You know, the Mets back Buck Showalter. The Mets... All talk about you know how much they love playing for Buck and and everything along those lines, but there's going to reach a point if the Mets continue to play 
how they're playing, that that message doesn't resonate with the players anymore, that that message gets stale and the team is forced to make a move because things aren't working. Sometimes moves and firing of managers, coaches, front office personnel, it's not always because of results. A lot of times it is. But sometimes you just need to shake something up because it's not working, because something has gotten stale. So I agree with you in the sense of, is Tom Thibodeau going to get fired anytime soon? That The the overarching question that everyone has talked about. No, I don't think he gets fired anytime soon. That timetable can be adjusted rather quickly if, one, the Knicks get a superstar, and that superstar does not want to play for Thibodeau, or number two, that message gets stale, the Knicks struggle, and something needs to get changed up. So I think that's where we're at right now. But hey, things can change very quickly. This is the league where one day the the for, the format, the structure of the league is one way, and the next day it's completely flipped on its head. Uh, listen, I, I agree with you about you know, almost everything you just said. And I, but I think the real trigger is if they get a superstar, I don't see the current team uh, deciding to, to not want to play for Tibbs because a lot of this season, we were talking about how Tibbs and you use the different New York sports team. So I will as well, that Tibbs had this Tom Coughlin, 2007 esque resurrection. And he was, you know, different and he was smiling more and he was, joking around with the players and he was, you know, fist bumping Jalen Brunson after a big win. Like I think this team backs Tibbs. And so I don't see them ever. I don't see the current iteration of this team ever, ever, you know, turning on him uh, unless of course they really like bottom out to begin next season. And we all go into the season with these big expectations that Brunson's going to become like a true superstar and Randall will be okay in the regular season. And RJ is going to take another leap because of what we saw for 90% of the playoffs. Like all of these expectations are already kind of fermenting. And so when they, you know, when we start next season, there's going to be a lot of expectation on this team, whether they have a superstar or not. So unless they really bottom out, which I don't think would happen, I don't think that this team would ever have a reason to move on from Tibbs in the current iteration. I think the only way that they do it is if, like I said, they get somebody that's on paper better than Brunson and that person says, I don't want to play for tips. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's not like this is some imminent move and we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, so to say. This is more of a situation where you're projecting. You're projecting what could happen in the future if the Knicks acquire X, Y, and Z. They acquire jo- a Joel Embiid, a... Zach Levine, uh, uh, whatever guy you want to throw in there, you're projecting that if the Knicks acquire said star, said star is going to have that much impact to change the coach. I think Embiid would. I wouldn't think Zach Levine would. Or I would hope Zach Levine wouldn't. I don't think Zach Levine can get somebody fired. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> but I like just like throwing names out there yeah, in the sense yeah, 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 of yeah. who you acquire is going to dictate that change. Are you going to try to make it work? with that new newly acquired star and Thibodeau and risk run the risk of what happens because of that? Or is that star going to immediately influence what happens? That's the question because otherwise, unless things go completely sideways and if things go completely sideways, that's a completely different bag of worms. 
because that's the only way I feel like he truly gets fired because they didn't move off him with this head coach cycle. And you could argue that this head coach cycle is over. Everyone's basically hired who they need to hire. They didn't move off him now. They're probably not going to move off him until one of the two things we mentioned happen. So I think the reality of the situation is Knicks fans need to prepare and be ready for yet another season of Tom Thibodeau. So I, we only have, you know, a couple of minutes left. So I guess, you know, I'll, I'll ask you kind of a fun one. Who, who, who's here longer in your opinion, Tibbs or Buck? Currently Thibodeau. Yeah, definitely Tibbs. Uh, <laughs> This this is not a Mets podcast, but good Lord, between the managerial decisions he's made and just the lineup decisions and the bullpen decisions and the fact that the Knicks don't have this problem because NBA has a salary cap. The Mets have the highest payroll in baseball, and if things don't turn around fast, there's going to be a fall guy, and more often than not, it's the manager. And I'm not saying Buck's even 80% of the problem or or 90% of the problem. Because the entire lineup and really the entire roster is underachieving. But there's always a fall guy. And the manager is the fall guy. And I wouldn't say a firing of him wouldn't be warranted. But yeah, I'm 1,000% uh, Thibodeau is going to be here longer. Unless something crazy that we aren't even thinking about happens. Well, you just said like, you know... I don't blame, you know, 90, 80% of it on Buck. Do you blame, how much of the blame do you put on Tibbs for the Heat series? I'd say like a 20, 30%, because at the end of the day, the players got to play. You know, the, the coach in every sport puts the players in positions. And no, I wasn't thrilled with all of Thibodeau's decisions. But at the end of the day, Emmanuel quickly has got to hit shots. Quentin Grimes has, had, has to hit shots. Randall has to hit shots back. Everyone has to make their plays. The coach only does so much. He's not on the court playing with the guys. So I feel like it, that is what is lost in a lot of these conversations. Because yes, Thibodeau has his issues. Yes, Thibodeau causes his problems. Yes, he doesn't put a guy in here when he needs to. Or he doesn't take a guy out when he needs to. But guys still need, need to make plays. Even if he doesn't adjust. And even if he adjusts late, those guys still need to make plays. That, that's what basketball it is. It's a player-driven league. And at the end of the day, your, your players have to make plays. All right. That's going to do it for us uh, today. We'll be back uh, pretty soon. Next episode, I, I guess I'll just say it right now. We're going to be doing this again, but for Julius Randle. So I expect that's going to be fun, interesting, and I might throw something. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see you guys next time thanks thank you guys for listening